Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Rochester, Minnesota. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Betty Bowman was a woman who knew who she was, knew what she wanted, and worked hard for everything she had. She was born and raised in Wichita, Kansas, to parents who loved and adored her and raised her to be confident, kind, and driven. After Betty graduated high school, she headed straight to the University of Kansas School of Pharmacy and spent a lifetime and a half getting her education. But in 2017, she graduated with her whole entire doctorate. When Betty wanted something, she wasn't going to settle for anything less than everything. She didn't stop at a regular degree or even a master's. Your girl got her doctorate. Following her graduation, she started her residency at Stormont Vale Hospital and officially became the pharmacist she set out to be. According to posts from friends, she actually took on the night shift as the only pharmacist in the hospital. And even though that is a massive undertaking, Betty wasn't one to complain at all. Instead, one coworker posted that she would actually stop by Crumble Cookie before her weekend night shifts to make sure that all of the techs working with her had something to look forward to. Betty was known in the pharmaceutical world for being perpetually kind and knowing what she was doing. She was the pharmacist everyone wanted to be paired with and was the person that you could always go to for help without having to worry about being snapped at or judged or being made to feel like you're stupid. Throughout this time, Betty was dating a guy named Connor. Connor was also a pharmacist, but decided he wanted to pursue a career as a doctor. It does not take a rocket surgeon to know that med school is a massive undertaking and wildly expensive. But just like Betty's parents had been supportive of her dreams, she was just as supportive of Connor's. Betty continued to work while Connor went to med school and worked some odd hours at the University of Kansas for their poison control center. The two eventually moved to Rochester, Minnesota, because Connor wanted nothing more than to one day work at the Mayo Clinic. It looks like Betty was actually able to get a pharmacist job there, so this whole move was definitely looking like the right choice for them. In 2019, Betty and Connor got engaged. Based off of the photos she posted to her Facebook, it looks like Connor proposed to her in this kind of snow-covered cave that looks magical AF. Connor and Betty loved, and I mean loved, to travel, so it was pretty perfect and completely on brand for the two of them as a couple. It was also around the same time of Betty's birthday, so basically, their life seemed almost like a fairy tale. You had two people who seemed wildly in love, supportive of one another's career, and traveling all over the world together. Betty and Connor's lives only seemed to go up from there because in March of 2021, Connor found out that he had landed his dream residency at the Mayo Clinic. And two months after that, he and Betty got married in a gorgeous outdoor ceremony. The two of them looked absolutely incredible with Betty wearing this gorgeous beaded mermaid dress and Connor looking pretty dapper in a blue navy tux. The two ran off to a stunning honeymoon in Hawaii, and seriously, this is the kind of story that is made for Hallmark. But as we know all too well, things aren't always what they seem. Hey guys, I get so stressed when it comes to picking out gifts. I never want to give something someone isn't going to love, and I really want it to mean something to them. I am always looking for the perfect sentimental gift, which is why my go-to is always the Skylight Frame. Skylight is a touchscreen photo frame you can send photos to straight from your phone, and they appear in seconds. You can actually preload photos before the box is even opened, so when it's unwrapped and plugged in, those adorable little photo memories are already displayed. It sets up so easily within 60 seconds, so even the least tech-savvy can do it. You can upload photos from the unique Skylight email or Skylight app, and multiple people can send photos to one frame. I gave one to my mom, and all of her kids can upload photos of every single one of her grandbabies. It is the perfect gift for everyone, whether you're shopping for a spouse, your grandparents, new parents, or even for yourself. 
There's no such thing as too many photos, and it's so much easier than trying to keep up with everyone's social media accounts, saving all of those screenshots, and trying to figure out which ones of those you want to print. It's honestly just a bonus that it's adorable. It now comes in even more color options than before, like black, white, silver, gold, and limited edition poppy, which is an orangey red and is the perfect little pop of color. With over 1 million happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, available in over 30 countries and recommended by The Today Show, Forbes, New York Mag, and more, I have no doubt you're going to love the Skylight Frame just as much as I do. But just in case, they do offer free 120-day returns. As a special limited-time offer for our listeners, get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com big. To get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com slash big. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash big. Fast forward two years to Tuesday, August 15th of this year, 2023. KAAL reports that Betty texted one of her friends saying that she was drinking at home with Connor. It seemed like a pretty lax Tuesday night with her husband, but things started to go downhill fast. Early the next morning, so the 16th, she texted her friend again to say that she was feeling so sick that she couldn't even sleep. Betty had not gotten wasted the night before, and when you're hungover, you're also usually pretty tired. This definitely didn't seem like it was from alcohol, and it just kept getting worse. It got so unbearable that she wound up going to the emergency room at the Mayo Clinic. And I'm sure everyone listening to this knows someone who works in healthcare, and let's just take a minute to talk about how sick someone in healthcare usually has to be before they actually go to the doctor themselves, let alone the entire emergency room. If Betty was checking into the hospital, it was bad. She was admitted for symptoms of diarrhea and severe dehydration. Diarrhea and dehydration sounds a lot like food poisoning, so that's the route her treatment seemed to initially take. According to the CDC, it's usually treated with fluids and it will eventually run its course. But Betty's symptoms didn't improve at all. In fact, while she was being treated for the symptoms she came in with, she got some new ones, and they were really bad. According to CBS and KAAL, she started getting fluid buildup in her lungs, her organs started to fail, and she had to get a portion of her colon removed, as well as starting to experience cardiac issues. None of it made any sense, and as soon as doctors rushed to fix the newest problem, another one followed it up. This definitely did not sound like food poisoning anymore, but they couldn't really figure out what it could be. It was just a mad dash to monitor her constantly and figure out what they could fix and how fast. But unfortunately, no matter how hard they tried to stop the progression of whatever was going on, Betty's body couldn't fight any longer. On August 20th, four days after coming into the ER, Betty passed away. Her cause of death seemed like a mystery, but Connor wrote in her obituary that she died from a sudden onset of autoimmune and infectious illness. That seems a little bit vague, but according to KAAL, Connor clarified what that might mean to a few people, saying that Betty had died from hemophagocytic lipohistiocytosis. The shorter term for that is HLH. I had to look that up, and according to the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, HLH is a rare condition where certain white blood cells build up and damage a person's organs and other blood cells. It tends to be seen most in infants and young children, but Betty was 32. I wanted to know more, so I kept digging and found that, ironically, the University of Rochester Medical Center actually has an entire page dedicated to information on HLH. They note that HLH can be caused by infections, cancer, and autoimmune diseases. In order to test for it, you might be given blood tests or even a bone marrow biopsy. Of course, I went a little further down the blood test rabbit hole to see what results might indicate HLH, and Cincinnati Children's Hospital stated that you would look for low levels of red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets, along with some other factors that can lead to low iron or high levels of triglycerides. 
Obviously, I don't work in the medical field, but the common denominator seems to be that if you have HLH, your blood will likely be lacking in several important things while being high in triglycerides. It does seem to happen most often in young patients and according to Cincinnati Children's Hospital, can either be genetic, which there are sometimes rapid tests for, or caused by an infection, which we mentioned earlier. As far as treatment goes, it looks like it's fairly treatable once the practitioner treats the root cause of the trigger, but no matter what Betty's doctor treated, nothing seemed to work. And maybe that's because, according to CBS, all of Betty's tests for HLH were inconclusive. She was never diagnosed with HLH, but hey, maybe Connor was just trying to doctor his way into making some kind of sense of how his wife died so suddenly. Maybe. A whole 24 hours after Betty's death, CBS reports that the medical examiner called police to report that there was something suspicious about Betty's death. According to KAAL, Connor had actually tried to stop Betty from being taken off to autopsy, saying that she wouldn't have wanted to be a cadaver. At this point, it feels like there's a lot happening that Betty wouldn't have wanted, and it was definitely weird that a doctor of all people wouldn't want the answers as to why his wife of two years had died so suddenly. But no, he did not want those answers, he wanted her cremated, and he wanted that done now. Connor did not get what he wanted because that's ridiculous. This podcast is sponsored by Caden Lane. Hey guys, I'm always looking for ways to spoil the kids in my life. Whether they're my own kids, my friends' kids, or my nieces and nephews, I'm not a regular aunt, I am a cool aunt. And I love finding adorable clothes for all of these little gems in my life. I always see these cute ads on social media, but I have a hard time trusting the qualities of these random sites. But fear not, because I have done the research and found the one and only place that I will forever go for adorable and even personalizable outfits. And I'm not quite sure if personalizable is even a word, but you get what I'm saying. Anywho, my cute kids clothes hack is officially Caden Lane, and I promise you'll thank me later. Caden Lane was started back in 2005 by a single mom who wanted to create better and cuter clothes, accessories, and keepsakes for her own children and for those special moments you remember forever. Seriously, if you're looking for cute photography outfits, look no further. If you're looking for the perfect matching set for your family, look no further than Caden Lane's famous matching pajama sets so the whole family can look their best this holiday season, and I am definitely perusing those today for our Christmas Eve parties matching PJ dress code. For the younger littles in your life, check out Caden Lane's convertible zip rompers. These double zip rompers make diaper changes quick and easy, so thank you for that. And they're made from breathable, buttery soft bamboo. You can even fold the little sleeves and feed over for built-in mitts and footies. For moms with older kids like me, check out their Color Me pajama sets. They're so much fun and basically a coloring book your kids can wear to bed. They come with machine washable markers and will keep your kids entertained for hours. You can also personalize a huge selection of their products, whether it's a t-shirt, puzzle, blanket, or even a swaddle, so baby and mom can be the trendiest moms in the nursery. You see these brands go viral and wonder if they're worth the hype, and I can personally attest that Caden Lane is. They have over 70,000 five-star reviews for a reason. My introduction to Caden Lane was actually me trying to find a quality water bottle of all things that my kids couldn't misplace or accidentally have someone think it's theirs. Caden Lane had these adorable water bottles that you could customize in a bunch of different ways with the kids' names. I ordered a couple and they are so cute that I posted them on social media and I have a hard time posting on social media. I don't think about it, but these were so cute that I actually did post them. And a ton of people asked where I got them. I think I got back to everyone, but if I didn't, those water bottles were from Caden Lane. And we did the whole tossing it around test to see if it would leak. And that thing is impeccable. All of this to say, Caden Lane is a treasure trove of adorable things for the littles in your life, and I 10 out of 10 recommend checking them out. It is an endless scroll session of the cutest outfits and blankets and 
other stuff you have ever seen. If there's a mom or baby on your Christmas list, you will for sure find something for them at Caden Lane, and I have no doubt that you'll be asked where you got it from. If I didn't already love Caden Lane enough, they're giving back in a big way this year. Through their Conceive Fertility Foundation, they make donations to help families struggling with infertility afford the medical help they need. Caden Lane is your one-stop shop for all your newborn, infant, and toddler apparel. Head to cadenlane.com slash bigmad and use code bigmad for 20% off your order. Once again, that's C-A-D-E-N-L-A-N-E dot com backslash bigmad for 20% off. And make sure you use my promo code bigmad so they know I sent you. Knowing the autopsy was happening, whether Connor wanted it or not, CBS reports that he went from wanting to know nothing to wanting to know everything. Connor asked for a list of all of the substances that Betty's toxicology report would be testing for. Pretty specific ask when your wife went into full-blown organ failure and all of the possibilities were on the table. But no, he pigeonholed the roadmap to substances and it felt like a huge hint but let's keep going. Betty's death was now in the early stages of an investigation. No one knew at that point that anything nefarious had actually happened, but it definitely felt that way, so police started digging. This could be something or it could be nothing, but between August 16th, the day Betty checked into the hospital, and the 20th when she died, Connor used his own hospital credentials to view Betty's patient portal. Now, according to CBS, Connor does claim that he did that with Betty's consent, which wouldn't be too surprising considering her husband was a doctor. But it was weird that he continued to look at it in the 11 days after her death. It makes sense to look at your wife's medical information while she's being treated, especially if you understand what's being put in there from the doctors. But what was the point of checking it after she died? What was he expecting to see? I can only speak from what I could do, but if my spouse died, I don't think it would even occur to me to check his medical records again. Sure, I'd be waiting for updates from the medical examiner, but checking her hospital patient portal doesn't seem to make a ton of sense. Things only got more and more twisted from here. Oxygen reports that a woman called the medical examiner's office to make sure that they knew that Betty and Connor's marriage was not all sunshine and rainbows like it looked like. She reported that there was some alleged infidelity, other issues, and there'd even been recent talks of a possible divorce. But the infidelity may not have been exactly infidelity. Connor and Betty were actually in an open relationship, and I dug hard into that, and it does seem to be true in this case. While I couldn't find any reports of Betty dating other people, it seemed widely known among colleagues and friends that that was the case. The rules seemed to be that Betty and Connor came first and dating was allowed, but their marriage and emotional connection to each other was their top priority, though I'm not exactly sure if that's how Connor saw things. I don't usually read Reddit when I'm researching cases, but in this instance, it was really hard not to. There are huge medical and pharmaceutical communities on there, and there were several posters who seemed to personally know both Betty and Connor. When it came to Betty, people had only incredible things to say about her, but when it came to Connor, it was hard to find anything positive. One poster actually stated, and I quote, I went to undergrad and medical school with this guy. If you would have asked me to pick out one person from our class who I thought was going to murder someone, I would have picked him without thinking twice. Other posters who claimed to have gone to school with Connor as well said he was very, very open about his open relationship. They said he talked about sex a lot, but in a way that made people uncomfortable and it honestly, quote unquote, creeped them out. Several people, men and women, said that while they were in med school with him or even interning with him, Connor would ask them out regularly. Asking someone out isn't inherently bad, but they noted that Connor didn't seem to know when to stop. One person said that Connor continued to ask him to bars even after he told him that he was straight and explicitly uninterested, adding that Connor was super aggressive and gross when pursuing people. 
More recently, one poster said that Connor dated her friend this past spring, who reported that he was super clingy and weird. They obviously did not continue dating, but it looks like Connor did find someone new. Oxygen reports that the divorce talks came into play when Betty noticed that Connor had gotten really close to a new partner and suggested maybe it was just time to part ways. Connor didn't seem to take a break from dating following Betty's death. Two separate posters mentioned seeing his dating profile on both Tinder and Bumble. Bumble's the one where the female has to initiate first contact. According to Reddit, his Tinder profile listed him as a widow who was looking to start the next chapter of his life. As for his Bumble profile, where the women have the control, he reportedly wrote once again that he was a widower, but this time said that he was trying to heal and was looking for a serious relationship. I'm obviously not on dating apps and cannot confirm these profiles, but the discussion surrounding them did seem to have a bunch of first-hand discussion from people who did see those profiles. Based on these online posts, it doesn't look like Connor wanted to take any kind of break from seeking out relationships. I found three people who claim to know women who went on a date with him following his wife's death. One woman said her co-worker went out with Connor and was completely unaware of how Betty had recently died. Another woman said that Connor drove all the way to Minneapolis to go on a date with her friend, which was about an hour and a half away. A third woman said that her friend went on a date with him in October and that he didn't seem, quote unquote, too torn up about his wife being dead. His demeanor was so off-putting to her that it, quote unquote, freaked her out. Someone who claimed to have dog sat Betty and Connor's dog echoed that sentiment, saying that Connor seemed so unbothered. Other friends told Law and Crime that Connor was stoic and calm following Betty's death. They said he even invited them out for drinks within days and he just seemed indifferent. We do know that everyone reacts to trauma differently, but Connor's behavior was so far out of the norm that people who didn't even know an investigation was going on were starting to see the red flags. Oxygen spoke to one friend who went over to Connor and Betty's house following her death and said that Connor's girlfriend was there. And she noticed that all of the pictures of Betty around the house had been taken down. A few people on Reddit also noticed that the photos of Betty on their dog's Instagram account had also been removed, including the memorial post for her. Just to ease everyone's heart here, I read online that their dog, a gorgeous little corgi named Sir Crumpet II of Mulberry, we love that, is no longer in the care of Connor and is instead in the loving, cuddling arms of Betty's mom. Hey guys, when you give Bombas this holiday, you're giving more. More comfort because their socks, underwear, t-shirts, and slippers are made with such ridiculously soft materials, you'll want to keep a few for yourself. And more good because for every item you purchase, they donate another to someone who needs it. Socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items in homeless shelters. When you buy yours from Bombas, you're also donating essential items to those who need them. One purchased equals one donated, and we love that. And Bombas doesn't just do good, they feel good. They're your go-to basics for getting cozy, and that is my baseline this season, permacozy. Everything is made to make you more comfortable from their breathable yet supportive underwear to their Sherpa-lined slippers, which I have a pair of those and there is no going back. Once you own one, that is the new standard. The warmth level is elite and the comfort level is unmatched and they're also just adorable. Oh, and you can't forget about their famous socks that are ultra plush and made from luxe materials like merino wool and cashmere to make your toes toasty. Cashmere. If you're looking for the perfect gift, look no further because Bombas is your gift hack this season. They have ready-to-go gift boxes filled with high-quality basics your loved ones will enjoy all year long. And the best part is they come in a beautifully designed box you don't even have to wrap because let's be honest, you're doing enough of that already. I personally can't imagine a world where you don't love everything you get from Bombas, but on the off chance they're just not for you, Fear not, they are covered with a 100% happiness guarantee. That means super easy returns and size exchanges, seriously, no hassle. 
Bombas is forever on my family's treat yourself list. And whether it's Kyle's shirts, my slippers, or the kids' socks, we've never ordered anything we didn't wind up wanting more of. You cannot go wrong. The quality is incredible. And the company is just a bunch of really, really great humans. Go to bombas.com slash bigmad and use code bigmad for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash bigmad and use code bigmad at checkout. Bombas.com slash bigmad code bigmad. This investigation was kept pretty quiet, and initially, everyone was beside themselves for Connor for having lost his wife so soon and at such a young age. But as the days continued to pass, they started to get the sense that something was very, very off here. They didn't know what happened, but it definitely felt like something had. It was just that no one could figure out why. Sure, they had an open relationship, but it was open. Betty was more than willing to get a divorce if Connor had fallen in love with another woman, so that definitely didn't feel like it would be any kind of motive. KAAL reports that Connor had a ton of debt from all of his schooling, but he and Betty had separate bank accounts. His debt didn't seem to impact her own account much, and I guess he could gain access to her money if she died, but certainly it would not have been enough to cover the cost of pharmaceutical school and med school but life insurance might. According to KAAL, following Betty's death, Connor told a friend that he would be getting $500,000 in her life insurance payout. The circumstantial evidence was piling up, and in the course of their investigation, police spoke to the friend that Betty had been texting the night before she went into the hospital. Apparently, there was more to that text where Betty said she was feeling sick, According to KAAL, Betty told him that she thought it was the smoothie Connor had made her that caused it, and this was not the first time he had made her a strange smoothie. KAKE and Oxygen report that Betty had actually joked before about Connor trying to poison her. He'd apparently made her a smoothie one day when one of her friends was over, and it was weird because Connor was not the smoothie-making kind of guy. Betty tried the smoothie and it was gross, so she had her friend take a sip, and the friend remembered it being really bitter. The friend joked that maybe he was trying to poison her, and Betty joked back that he probably was. I don't think any of them were taking this seriously at all, but she wound up tossing the smoothie in the trash. That all happened about 10 days before her trip to the ER. By September of 2023, the investigation was in full swing when someone who worked at the University of Kansas contacted the police. I had to piece together several different reports to get this next bit of information into any kind of order, so shout out to KAAL, KTTC, CBS, and KSTP for the following. I mentioned earlier that Connor would work shifts for the University of Kansas's Poison Control Center, and, well, it turns out, he told someone at the university that he was a suspect in his wife's death. That was news to damn near everyone since that had never been publicly stated, but he was apparently telling other people he knew that he had been cleared. None of this information felt like anyone needed it, but Connor, as you'll come to find out, is an absolute dumbass and we love that for him. The college was concerned about whatever the hell might be going on, so they decided to do a little digging in the IT department. They hit pay dirt when they found that Connor had been researching colchicine, even though the Poison Control Center hadn't gotten any calls about the medication. For context here, we do know that Connor worked for the center on the 5th, 6th, and 10th of August, and the date of the 6th seems to match up with the date of that first bitter shake he had made for Betty. If you've never heard of colchicine before, it is probably because you don't have gout and neither did Betty. The National Library of Medicine did a study on colchicine overdoses and titled it Colchicine Overdose, The Devil is in the Details, calling it a highly poisonous alkaloid with an extremely narrow therapeutic index. It's most commonly used to prevent gout attacks and treat gout pain when attacks do occur. Dosage is extremely strict, and according to Medline Plus, you're instructed not to take any more if it's not working. You're explicitly told to wait 12 hours before you take your next dose. 
According to the Mayo Clinic, the Mayo Clinic, colchicine can lower your white blood cell and platelet counts, which is oddly similar to what you'd expect to see in HLH blood results. You know, the illness Betty was never diagnosed with, though Connor really seemed to want to sell it. The side effects of colchicine can be really, really rough. They include things like nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and stomach cramps, all of which are tracking as far as Betty's initial symptoms. When you get into the research of colchicine overdose symptoms, it tracks even further. The National Library of Medicine study I mentioned earlier referenced a 33-year-old woman who had gone to the hospital after 24 hours of nausea, vomiting, and abdominal pain. She had a fever of 101.4, and her blood pressure was only 66 over 39. She was given fluids and antibiotics, but her symptoms only got worse. Within 24 hours, the woman was intubated and went into multi-system organ failure. Thankfully, this particular hospital was able to put the pieces together that she may have been experiencing a colchicine overdose and treated her with a packed red blood cell transfusion. Within 24 hours, her condition started to improve, and she remained in the hospital for another 30 days before she was ultimately released. The woman in this study ultimately admitted to intentionally overdosing after taking 60.6 milligram tablets. On day 10 of that woman's hospital stay, her colchicine levels were at 17 nanograms per milliliter. All of that sounds like the mirror image of what Betty went through, and it definitely felt like this call from the university was about to break open Betty's case. That phone call damn well did break Betty's case wide open because when her blood was tested specifically for colchicine, something regular lab tests aren't going to be looking for, KAAL reports that her vial of blood from the 17th, so the day after she was admitted, was positive for colchicine at 29 nanograms per milliliter. That is 12 nanograms per milliliter higher than the woman in that study. Law enforcement knew they were onto something, so they continued to dig deeper into Connor's search history. Buried deep in the depths of this dumbass's hard drive, investigators found the following searches. Internet browsing history, can it be used in court? Yes, as you will soon find out. Police track package delivery. Yes, they absolutely can. Delete Amazon data police. You can try, but you will fail. He also used an online tool to calculate the dosage and lethal dosage for colchicine using Betty's weight. On October 20th of 2023, Connor was pulled over near his home just after 4 p.m. This was not a routine traffic stop. This was a delightful inconvenience to add to the very shitty day they were going to make sure he had. Connor was taken into custody and charged with second-degree murder. And before you start yelling about it being second degree instead of first, because that's exactly what I did, let me save you the initial rage. When it comes to Minnesota law, no one can be charged with first degree murder until a grand jury decides to do so. A prosecutor can't lay the charges themselves. A jury of your peers has to go over what law enforcement has put together so far and make that decision independently. Betty's murder sounds like Webster's new definition of premeditated, but his case will have to be presented to the grand jury before that charge is ever placed. At this point, it looks like second-degree murder is the highest charge that can be placed against him until that happens, and I have no doubt that that's going to happen. While Connor was getting his cuffs on and being outfitted for his new jumpsuit, police were in his house processing the ever-living shit out of it. While they were there, KAAL reports that detectives found a bank receipt for a deposit of $450,000. Dude was up to his neck in debt, but all of a sudden he had $450,000. It's never been explicitly stated, but I can only assume that that was Betty's life insurance money, though I am curious how he was able to get the payout when there was an active investigation going on. Who knows, maybe it was because the investigation was kept really quiet until Connor's arrest, but we really just don't know at this point. Because Connor was arrested in the afternoon on a Friday, he had to wait until the following Monday to be arraigned. Once again, we love that for him because he doesn't strike me as the kind of fellow who would fare well in prison, but I digress. Anywho, 
He was arraigned on the 23rd and given a $2 million bail. That sounds like a really impressive bail amount until you consider the amount of money it takes to get out. Generally, it's 10% of the full amount, but with $2 million, that's only $200,000. And we know that detectives found a bank deposit receipt for $450,000. Two million certainly doesn't sound so impressive anymore, and there's been no word as to whether or not that money has been frozen. KTTC reports that Connor was back in court again on November 1st, requesting that his bond be lowered. If you just yelled, not a fucking chance, you're not alone at all, but let's hear him out, and not because we give a shit, but because it's the facts of the case and we don't leave those out. So this oxygen thief decided that he needed a lower bond due to a change in conditions. That's a wildly broad statement, but those changes were the fact that this shitbag was now unemployed. Yeah, that can happen when you work at a hospital and at a poison control center and your wife dies from the poison you researched lethal doses of, along with your searches of what the police could find and what the courts could use against you, sir. Dude studied, failed miserably, and was now a sad, broke bitch in a romper. The judge did not lower his bail, and Connor was sent right back to his concrete cell to think about what he had done. The Mayo Clinic released the following lackluster statement regarding their shamed doctor, saying, We are aware of the recent arrest of a former Mayo Clinic resident on charges unrelated to his Mayo Clinic responsibilities. The resident's training at Mayo Clinic ended earlier this month. That was insanely underwhelming and felt more like a don't look at us statement than anything else. I would just once love to see someone finally come out with something like, We're shook. This is nuts, and he was a real fucking weird dude. We just couldn't find a legal way to fire him, but we did. We're pissed, and we're here to help the victim's family in any way, shape, or form. Fuck that dude. But no. This podcast is sponsored by Green Pan. Hey guys, I'm in my holiday prime right now, which means new holiday recipes and me pretending I know what I'm doing in the kitchen. I recently got Green Pan's new slow cooker, so I've been playing around with that and I'm kind of obsessed. I made snowman poop in it the other day and it was so simple, so quick, and the cleanup was insanely easy. Anyone who wants the recipe, hit me up on social media. If I can do it, literally anyone can. Green Pan makes the best ceramic nonstick cookware money can buy. They revolutionized home cooking way back in 2007 when they introduced the world to ceramic nonstick cookware, the first and best toxin-free alternative to cookware with traditional coatings. Green Pan launched their new slow cookers just in time for the holidays, which is what I have and what helped me in my quest of snowman poop. It's the same beautiful cookware you know and love, and you can now make family-sized meals with the press of a button. I have made a pretty impressive roast in it and mashed potatoes over Thanksgiving. When I tell you that cleanup is shockingly simple, I cannot stress that enough. It's like this slow cooker is trying to help me wash the dishes. It washed right out. I cannot explain it. And I'm not about to ask questions. I'm just going to love it. Oh, and the one I have is adorable. When it comes to slow cookers, you usually have to choose some giant hunk of ugly something, but Green Pan has some really cute options. Mine is actually black and gold, which fits in perfectly with my decor. Green Pan's cookware is free of PFAS, PFOA, lead, and cadmium. Don't know what most of that means? I didn't either. All you need to know is that your cookware might be coated with forever chemicals, but Green Pan's are free of all forever chemicals. If you're not sure which cookware is right for you, Green Pan actually has a quiz that guides you to the right choice based on your experience level, how often you cook, and what kind of stovetop you have. Green Pan also owns their factory, so while other companies create cheap products with cheap materials because, you guessed it, it's cheaper, Green Pan's products live up to their standards. That's why they won the 2023 Good Housekeeping Sustainable Innovation Award. Oh, and they've got a 60-day return policy, so you have plenty of time to make sure Green Pan is right for you. So toss the plastic pans and upgrade your cookware this holiday season with Green Pan. Head to greenpan.us and use promo code BIGMAD and you'll receive 30% off your entire order plus free shipping on orders over $99. That's right, 30% off. So head to greenpan.us and make sure you use our promo code BIGMAD or they won't know we sent you.
As for why his residency ended the month prior, no one seems to know for sure, but some people on the medical side of Reddit theorize that it might have been his accessing of Betty's patient records that got him the boot. Unfortunately, because this case is so recent, that was the last update we have, but do not fear because I'm going to keep up with this every second of every day. Obviously, it's not going to be every second of every day because updates come slower once it's in the court system, but you get what I'm saying. I'm going to keep you up to date on anything that happens in this case. For photos pertaining to this case, check out Betty's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley and join me there today at noon Eastern where you go live with me and talk about today's episode and all other true crime cases on your mind. To get access to ad-free and bonus episodes, Subscribe to our Apple Premium or head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just $2 a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. Spotify recently released a feature where you can access your Patreon feed. So Spotify listeners, you now don't have to listen through the Patreon app. If you love the podcast, feel free to leave a review. It makes my day every single time. And if you have a case you'd like to hear covered, share it with Big Mad True Crime on social media because all cases are covered by listener request. I'll be bringing you a brand new case next week, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. We are officially at the end of this episode, which means it's time to share a review that made my whole entire day. This one is from Gingerbread Man. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We stopped before eight and it says, Heather, thank you for sharing your heart and story with us. Thank you for the passion with which you cover these cases and advocate for victims and families. Thank you for being big mad when calling out injustice. You're amazing and we all appreciate you. I love you. You guys are the best. That was so nice. That was literally only just nice. That was so fucking nice. I appreciate you guys. I was super nervous about doing the Q&A episode. I know that there are going to be people who are like, we don't fucking care, Heather. We didn't come here to listen to you and about you. That's fine. But honestly, I was worried that was what was going to happen, and it didn't. Everybody was like, I love that episode so much. And we talked about, like, in the Facebook group, I don't know if you're in it or not. You should be if you're not. Shameless plug. We talked about doing it, like, once a month, where it's just a Q&A episode, and you guys can write in. And honestly, if you just want to, like, <laughs> dear Abby, but dear Heather the shit out of it, for sure. Like we can do like write-ins, whatever. Talk about whatever you want where it's just like a little more on the personal side once a month. Yeah. Join the group and like we'll do like a Q&A post or like a write-in post or whatever and we can totally do that. I love you guys. <laughs> okay. If you made it this far, we're officially at today's hot take brought to you by What the fuck? If we hmm, you're a doctor and a poison control guy, and you allegedly poisoned your wife. It's like the pilot killed his wife with a plane. The plumber killed his wife with a toilet. The fuck, dude? You're so dumb. And this constant theme on Reddit was like, I thought doctors had to be smart. And all the doctors were like, honey, no. No, 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 no. You have to be intelligent. You do not have to be smart. But honestly, with the thoroughness that Connor went through to poison her allegedly, so accurately, like, his study skills seem super shitty. Because, like, he, if he would have researched, like, you know, can police use my search history against me? Duh. The fuck? Uh-huh. Sure can. And maybe he would have been like, mm, I'm not going to go any further. Although I do think it was hard to piece some of this together. It was all coming from different places. I think he did try to use, like, a VPN to... <laughs> Fucking idiot to like block his search history or some shit. But like the VPN makes it so that the other website doesn't know you're the one visiting it. Like the computer, your computer history will show that you went to a VPN and where the VPN took you, you dumbass. That is so dumb. It's so great. I'm so glad he's stupid. I'm, I'm really fucking pissed that he, you know, fucking married Betty because Betty was a gem. Like, outside looking in, you would think this was the perfect power couple that would live in a white picket fence house with two kids, one boy, one girl. They go to private school, and everything they wear has a collar on it that's ironed. Like, that's what you would think. I mean, smart, good-looking people, almost seeming like a little bit introverted and shy, but also confident in exactly who they are, if that makes sense. 
never the kind of people that you would think would we would be talking about. But I mean, crime does not dis- discriminate. It happens to literally everyone. Evil does not discriminate. It happens to fucking everyone. And it's the fucking worst. It's just, it's just so fucking shitty. But and we're here and we're talking about it. There was one neighbor. I remember, oh man, who do they talk to? And mm, it's probably K-A-A-L, which by the way is so hard to say. K-A-A-L. That doesn't sound right. Anywho, it might have been oxygen. It could have been anybody, but he was basically like, oh, you know, I heard them arguing sometimes and their dogs would get really upset and bark and all this stuff. I don't think that's true, honestly. And like, I'm not him. I'm not calling him a liar. And like, he could obviously be true, but they only had one dog. They didn't have dogs. And so he might have been hearing someone else, but talking about Betty and Connor and just assuming it was them, but they only had one dog. And from what I understand, that dog was a freaking gem. Like, the best dog in the world. There's a reason he had an Instagram account, and it's because he's precious and so loved. I mean, absolutely adorable. And just to, like, hone in on how great Betty was, somebody who names their dog Sir Crumpet the second of Mulberry? Absolutely. She's one of us. We would all be besties with her. You have to be creative and fun and probably a little sarcastic for that. And people talked about how, you know, she wasn't somebody who would like want to be the center of anything and, you know, lead the conversation or whatever. But she was always hilarious. It was like she would pick her words and then she would make you crack up when she finally did like insert herself in the conversation. I just it's such a fucking like shitty situation that this happens to really great people. But we're almost like 300 episodes deep in this podcast. And I'm just one true crime podcast. You guys know better than anyone that like this is always how it fucking works. It's so shitty. I no, I mean, I wish I could change it. You know, don't we all? Oh, <sighs> but yeah. The whole Minnesota uh, first degree murder thing perplexed me. I immediately I was like, are you fucking kidding me? We know about like not all when it comes to premeditation, like there's premeditation and then there's like premeditation. <laughs> he hit the second one. He he researched the entire process. He didn't just research colchicine dosage. He researched it for her weight and the lethal dosage. Then he researched he he searched things about how to handle the police investigation. So assuming you can go to jail for fucking poisoning your wife with colchicine, you want to know if the police are going to find out that you looked at it online. He would have found out, yes, sir, they will see it. And he also looked up that, um, can they use it against you in court? Uh-huh. Yes, sure can. Yeah, they will. And so we've not only done the poisoning research, we've done the investigation research, and we have done the court research. So. As far as premeditation, dude premeditated alleged murder, investigations, and defenses. So when it, new definition, this is the definition, this case, a link to this case, all the information about it, all the court documents should be the new definition of premeditation because it is point one A, period. And colchicine wasn't the only thing he searched He, gosh, let me figure out, what was it called? It was sodium, it wasn't bicarbonate, sodium nitrate, right? Let me look it up. I didn't include it because it didn't, yeah, it was sodium nitrate. I didn't include it in this episode because it doesn't seem like that played a role, at least as far as we know yet. But he did do some pretty intense research on sodium nitrate. Um, He, I think he even looked up the difference between industrial grade and food grade. Either way, like, again, why the fuck are you doing this? And, I mean, his searches, they did, oh, okay, I have a theory, and it's not based on any kind of fact, but hear me out. This is why it's in the hot take. So there is a case, it's the case, I think her name is Mary Yoder. It was on Forensic Files, and it was on an oxygen show as well. She was poisoned with colchicine, you know, allegedly. Well, actually, somebody was convicted, but it's like a controversial case. Nonetheless, colchicine poisoning, she died. She was at work, started feeling super, super sick, came home, got sicker, and went through really the same process that Betty went through. I have to wonder if Betty might have been into true crime or even if he was into true crime and they had 
at some point in time or maybe even recently watched Forensic Files and that episode came on or was watching Investigation Discovery or Oxygen, whatever, and saw that episode of Mary Mary Yoder's case. And that's where he got the idea. Because when you think of sodium nitrate, you don't think I learned about this in pharmaceutical school or in medical school. It has such a narrow, colchicine has such a narrow medical use that it's probably not going to come up very often. A lot of the people in the pharmaceutical and medical ends of Reddit weren't super familiar with it. Obviously, they knew what it was and what it treated, but it's not something that comes up a ton. And I did read from some other people who did have gout um, saying that the doctors that they see for their gout are actually moving away from colchicine treatment and other avenues because it can be so tricky when it comes to dosage and the side effects can be so rough. Um, So initially you think like, oh, he works in a poison control center. Oh, he's a doctor. Maybe that's why he looked up colchicine because he just knew it was crazy and horrible and super toxic. But I kind of don't think it after researching HLH, colchicine, colchicine toxicity, and all of the things that that encompasses, it seems more likely that he got that idea somewhere else. Oh, and Mary Yoder's colchicine was mixed into a shake. I left that part out. Like, it's too fucking similar. And just, we're all over the place now. To clarify, because this was something that I wondered as well, it's in a bunch of different articles, but kind of scattered, where I believe police think that he ordered liquid colchicine and not any kind of tablet or anything. And I went online because I was like, delete Amazon history or track Amazon package, whatever. I was like, you were to fucking order it on Amazon, dude. I searched colchicine on Amazon. Terrifying. Okay, I'm going to do it while we're on here. Colchicine, my price, $25, 25 to 50, 50 to 100, 100 to 200. Colchicine, colchicine for gout, colchicine 0.6 milligram 90 day. Colchicine 0.6 milligram tablet. You get what I'm saying? So we're just going to put colchicine. Okay. Colchicine. Autumn. Autumn now. Okay. Oh my gosh. I literally. Colchicine. Autumn now. For gout pain. I can get 80 pellets. And I can buy now. I can buy it now. For $8.93. It's on fucking sale. 9% off. What a deal. Save 11 cents for fucking colchicine. How is this possible? The fuck? I buy 30 of them. I can buy 200 of them for eleven twenty one. That seems like a better deal. But don't. No. The fuck? Well, I mean, I guess it's good for people with gout. But you, I would assume you have to get a prescription for this shit. And it'd be highly regulated with how horrible it is for your body if you do this wrong. No, fucking Amazon. I don't see the liquid. Let's see, colchicine liquid. No, but you can get a uric acid cleanse. <gasps> Wait, colchis, colchis, colchicum autumn nail mother tin cure. <gasps> well, I'll be damned. I wonder if that's it. Word class homeopathy. homeopathy. Too many vowels and consonants to figure out where the space is. It's just fucking nuts. It's fucking nuts that you can do this. That was my pop socket going in. Can't exist without a pop socket. Anywho, yeah, so that's my hot take. Fuck this dude. We don't like him. Fuck that guy. I don't think anybody liked him, honestly. No. All right. I love you guys. I'll talk to you guys later. Also, nerd.